0: We told you we'd be doing something different here at the Fenway Rundown the offseason, and we are. So this is our first Thursday episode. As we do two a week, I'm Chris Catillo, your host. The other day you heard Chris Smith and I, we talked about all the early offseason decisions the Red Sox need to make, options, qualifying offers, Xander Bogarts, all that stuff. Today we're going to do something a little bit different. Anybody who listens to Red Sox podcast knows the guys from Inside the Monster. Steve Peralt, Joey Capone, they announced the bad news this week that that podcast is not coming back that they're departing odyssey um so we're gonna get into all that you know like the the bad news the outpouring of support and then talk socks which is what they do best so here without further ado steve Peralt and joey capone all right so much to uh you know, the chagrin of Steve Peralt, the show is not called the Fenway Focus Rundown Report or whatever you guys used to call it. But I think
1: that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, we're happy to have Steve Peralt and Joey Capone on this week. Obviously, you guys have been, uh, I guess, in the news a little bit talking about a lot of people, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of talk on social media about the last week for people who don't know Steve and Joey for the last year hosted Inside the Monster for Odyssey Red Sox podcast that um you know it was, uh, seemed to blow up and people really liked and then got the bad news last week that it would not be returning for 2023 so we're not going to harp on bad news we're going to have a happy pod but just i guess i'll start with for both of you you know what has the last week 10 days been like not just you know hearing that but then seeing you know i know i, I saw at least Joey tweet about it but the outpouring of support on social media and so many people you know talking about you know, how they thought they, they hated the decision, including me, and, and just what, you know, the show kind of meant to them only, you know, in the year it was going. Yeah, first off,
1: Cotillo, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I really appreciated your tweet. I really
0: did. Uh That that, that a lot. be heartfelt once every like three months.
1: <laughs> I know. I was like, wow, Cotillo, this is great. Um, <laughs> No, it's been good. It's been good. I, I, I think the You never really know how people think about the product you put out there. I think you get a decent idea of it. And I know Joey and I have talked about this on recent shows, but we definitely felt more support in the last month from fans. And I think a big part of that was like knowing the offseason was coming up, knowing that there's no guarantees for how many shows we were going to do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the show was still it was still new. We were only a year in only one season in. Um, I think the the tough pill to swallow here has been that the show was doing well. Right. And, you know, I know Joey and I alluded to it. There's a lot of things we can't get into, but that's, that's when, that's when it really sucks when it's like, okay, show is doing well, people liked it uh, and it's still not going to be back for another season. So the, the outpouring of support has been great. Um, but, you know, deep down when you know, you should still be doing a, a show and, and heading into season two, especially heading into a year that I can't think is going to get any worse for the Red Sox. Hopefully, right. hopefully it's better next year. Uh, that's probably been the tough part.
2: Yeah, and me and Steve talked a little bit the other day. I think with any show or any entertainment platform, you're like top 5-10% of people are going to be really engaged, and you're going to hear from them mm-hmm. a lot. And we did throughout the year. And so when this news came, we kind of expected to hear from that 5 or 10%. And yep. we were like, okay, we know the people that are going to reach out. We know the people that are going to quote tweet this or the people that are going to reply and whatever and that wasn't the case it was a much larger slice of the pie and we just saw people uh you know talking about how how much they like the show that we you know that didn't interact consistently throughout the year so we're like oh man like there's there's a lot more folks that have nice things to say than i i think we realized and that's what really caught me off guard that i sent out that tweet that was like man i'm I'm a little overwhelmed here that was not what i was expecting and a lot uh a lot of night, I'd say like ninety nine point nine percent positive things that came out. It was tough to find any of the negative ones, right?
0: And yeah, yeah no, and it was you know kind of dominated the timeline for a couple of days, which I think you know is a is a credit to what you guys were able to build. And you know, I'll ask you this because I you know I find it interesting and you know being in the industry now for for almost a decade, seeing how you know things work. Like it doesn't always make sense, right? Like you you said yeah. the numbers were good, the show's doing well. Um does it at a certain point like feel like you know there's there's nothing you could do I mean it just was I, I called a corporate BS on Twitter the other day but I mean is that really what it comes down to
1: yeah I yes. think uh yeah <laughs> short, short answer yes, yes. um see the, the tough part here and I, I alluded to this on the last show that we did and Joey and I obviously still want to do a show together that's uh, you know we wouldn't want something like this to you know dictate what our our future is and dictate mm-hmm. what our plans are especially for next season but i think the hardest part is that you know public perception and I, i've learned over the years is normally not right it's it's normally not exactly accurate to how things go um you know i speaking personally with section 10 i think from the beginning and then a few years in you know i i, I felt like it took me a few years to really I kind of get the, not not the recognition I thought I deserved, but yeah, kind of the, uh, Oh, okay. We see what this structure is now. Okay. So, so we're seeing, you're doing this and you're doing that really for everyone to understand how it went. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's something that I think you just gotta a lot of times bite your tongue and just keep grinding and keep working. And, and that's something I've learned, you know, over the last, let's say five, six years of regardless of, you know, how the outside thinks a certain show goes or, um, know who's guiding it who's doing this who's doing that who's running socials all that stuff you got to just keep working hard and the rest normally you know figures itself out so with this i think one of the tough parts again it sucks because we can't we can't go into a bunch of details but one of the tough parts is that you know it's not like we joey and i just did the show you know there were there were other tasks that we had to do with Mm. other shows and it's it's a whole big diagram so if it were just the podcast, I don't think we'd be in this position. Yeah. Um. But then when you when it you know when it becomes big picture and when it becomes uh, kind of like you mentioned, Katio, uh, corporate BS, if you will, it's I it will. takes a lot of the fun out of it. It takes mm-hmm. a lot of the fun out of it. I'll say that because you know when you work hard and you put a good product together, uh, you just kind of want that to be rewarded. And uh, you know it, we're obviously in a position where it feels like it wasn't. Yeah. It's kind of nice to know that it's not reflective
2: of the show's performance though yeah so no yeah. like we talked a little bit steve after we've talked a lot kind of consistently every day since it happened but uh yeah. there was a moment where we were like man like i don't know if there was a number that we could have hit i don't know if it was what we hit 10 million downloads like would that have kept us around like i don't think it's that i don't think mm-hmm. there was a number that would have uh There's some podcasting
0: triple crown you could have gone for <laughs> Yeah,
1: seriously <laughs> new listeners new downloads <laughs> player guests they hit, they hit Top
2: uniques, <laughs> yeah. It's like I don't know if there was a number there, maybe, maybe, but uh, to know to walk away and be like, nah, I think like we, I think we did what we could, and like it's not that the show stunk, it's just the way things go. It gives some hope for for the future, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. I one one thing to add to that real quick is that, you know, Joey and I, I think we got in this headspace of just like it was probably about a month. They were 10 and 19, socks are mm-hmm. 10 and 19, and I think we, one of the most real moments we shared was before the podcast, after they got swept by the White Sox in that, like, Peacock game or whatever, that morning game that they lose, they get swept. And we're just like, all right, man, like, we got to be all in. We don't have a choice. We got to be all in here with the official show. But this is going to be tough because, you know, even talking with the Red Sox and and Kelsey Doherty over there with the team, who does a great job um, and was super helpful this year, we really struggled as a group whenever we would meet to try to lock down the best way to talk about the team, to not rip the team when things are going poorly, that was yeah. that was hard. That part we have of no was problem with kind of that here. No, I know, I Let's know. Go. But I, I think there was a fine line there of like we're still a partially team, <laughs> right. you know, chemo product here, mm-hmm. and, and and I think we realized no, we got to be all in. You know, we got to do everything we possibly can. Adding the shorts in, doing more for. Um, you know, the social handles, Nate, our guy did so well with graphics and that Mm -hmm. really helped elevate the show. And then Joey and I kind of looked up at the end of the season, looking at the numbers, we had half a million downloads, uh, over the course of the season. And so I think, you know, in terms of like, (laughs) like I mentioned in the show, we did Joe silver linings Valley. That's what they call it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we, we definitely have some, it doesn't make you feel much better when you're just like, Oh, we got some great silver linings over here, but still it's, it's nice to know, that the numbers back up what our belief was that we could create something good.
0: I mean, does that, first of all, you know, I think that says a lot about obviously the work you guys put in. But for Red Sox fans to still be engaged in a losing season, I don't think that's something that you really see, you know, elsewhere. Obviously, I think numbers are, you know, down uh, year over year. If you look at a team that, you know, made a run last year, was in the playoff hunt in September, for anybody who covers the team in any fashion, definitely. You know, you see, you know, fewer people tweeting about the team in September and October this year than last year. That's that's not a question. But um, when the team is bad, does it just is it just a a matter of more work? Is it a matter of, you know, just trying to you know find new ways to skin the cat? I hate that phrase so much, but no better way to put it. I mean, like, how does, um, you know, on your end, how does that work?
1: I could see the pain in your face saying the cat. Why. Yeah, I know. Just, started saying it. And he's phrase. like, I don't. I don't want to say it. No, it sounds gross. Yeah, it's it is, let's, it just, let's just scrap it. And we're never saying that again. <laughs> um, no, it, it. I think the the biggest thing that 2015 taught me because that was the first year I was in the space, uh, joining Section 10, and the team stuck. The they were terrible. There was. I mean, you're coming off of what 13? Win the World Series. 14 and 15, they were awful. Mm-hmm. So. We just had to find ways to be creative and change it up and try to be funny. Here's the biggest thing. What I love doing with Joey is just goofing around, you know, like doing a show that we keep it loose. We don't have to be overly serious. And like, I can't believe in the in the third inning when they left the bases loaded and get all like, you know, intense. Which
0: is tough because neither of you are like particularly funny, you know?
1: No, we, yeah. So it we have no humor yeah, in our DNA. So it's like, how are we supposed to be how funny? So how this? Yeah, that was a big challenge. And we had the comedy classes that. I've
2: been paying for have been
1: killing me. Yeah. So I really <laughs> want to open mic
0: nights, putting in the time.
1: We uh, showed to Improv Asylum. They've been great. Um, But no, it, it's it's uh I think that's a big part of of trying to put a good show together. And it's hard to try to goof around when the team's lost like eight in a row and they're yep. in the last in the AL East and all that. So I think
2: so. But I mean, I dude, I think even if we weren't team affiliated, dude, I don't think that. I personally would have been just like, let's rip into this team. I think I still would would have to have that that lighthearted, goofy approach
1: to it. You know, well, you, there's you can't a certain get level of suck though. It. I think they they kept us so down as fans this year, their mm-hmm. performance that mm-hmm. it was hard to rip them because it's like, where do we start? Uh, especially yeah. like Joey when we were in Cooperstown and, and Catillo too. We saw Katillo yeah. for all of like five minutes.
0: Yeah, and that um, extremely that, hot I mean, that restaurant. bar
1: was the hottest. Yeah, bar oh, yeah. restaurant Place hottest been, thing yeah. I've ever. Sweating. Just sweating bullets. But that was the weekend of the – I forget the score. Every time, 28-5, it? it was 28-5. Yep. That's the, the, the Duran moment and all of that. And that's the moment where you could probably rip into the team the most with what was going on. You were coming off, you know, weak run heading into the All-Star break. That was after the All-Star break. They looked terrible again. And my inclination was just that, you know what, let's, we're here for Poppy. Let's just avoid that and <laughs> have a good time. Yeah, and- nothing else
2: going on. I think that was like something we posted a lot of like, this is the only Sox news this weekend. Check this out. <laughs>
1: yeah. But the yeah, thing so is like, like aside the from that break,
0: still, it's still going, right?
1: Yeah. This is just oh, the extended yeah. <laughs> All-Star break. What are we talking about here?
2: But like, aside from maybe that fellow you just mentioned, and maybe like one or two other folks, like there really wasn't many villains on this team. So like ripping no. them didn't feel good. You know, it wasn't like, I wanted to rip into the guys who were, who were doing stuff, maybe a reliever here or there, who probably shouldn't have been on a major league roster, but like, it wasn't, it's not a, it wasn't a team that was easy to hate. So as much as I wanted to rip them, it wasn't a bad group of guys. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, like that, I think it's always interesting to talk about, you know, different, different roles. Like when you're not affiliated, you have no problem. You know, this guy has a seven ARA. He should not be on the team or this guy's doing this, this or this, or, you know, he should be, they need to make a move here or there. Um, but that line of, of kind of towing it, having the access, having kind of team, you know, sponsored in a lot of ways is, is, is never easy. And um, you know, people Nest and people at EEI, you know, deal with that. And uh, it definitely always is kind of interesting to see. I mean, what Joey, I know that you, you know, I think people know about Steve, you know, leaving section 10 and, and doing this show. I don't know how many mm-hmm. people know, you know, your backstory of getting into it. And, you know, for you, just having the access all year and, and going from you know what you're doing before to this what was the season like for you just in that aspect?
2: Yeah so I started in sports media in in a very very distant capacity uh right before the 2019 World Series so I had two years uh, from the outside making, uh, social media content that was sports adjacent wasn't even always relevant to what was going on, just kind of sports content, which is kind of how Steve and I's paths crossed. Mm-hmm. Um it's wild because I mean the the 2021, you know, the the wild card game, I'm like in the stands, in the grandstands, like paid, you know, an exorbitant amount of money to try to squeak in there in the very back row, you know, an overhang covering most of my view. I didn't see Bogey's home run because it was it was far above what I could see. like, And then the very next year, just having a, a full year credential was quite the shift. Um, yeah. It was pretty crazy. And I big time expected myself to kind of let my anxiety run the show. I really expected that that was going to be how it went. And there was only really one moment. I don't know if you remember this, Steve, but it was we had just gotten to spring training and we were driving in the rental car from the hotel to JetBlue Park. And I think you were talking to me, but I didn't hear a word of what you said. I didn't speak a word. The only thing I was thinking of is I'm going to throw up in this rental car. There's no (laughs) way that I can do this. There's just no way. And then got there, talked to like five people. I think you were one of the first people I met, Chris. And they probably uh, made it worse, which made it so much worse. I was was like, you know what? This guy can do it. I can certainly do this. I'm fine. (laughs) And Yeah, uh, yeah. And then, I mean, from there, just like meeting team personnel, meeting players. I was like, oh. This ain't this ain't so bad. This is this is all right. And then I uh, I think there was just so many people around you in the media space that like you just kind of naturally blend in. There's just kind of a natural camouflage that comes along. And you're like, okay, like let's all do this. We're all doing the same thing together and the nerves kind of fade away. There were certainly moments that I had to take myself back a little bit and be like, I'm standing in the dugout. Mm-hmm. And like last year, I'm standing on the outside of this dugout trying to get an autograph. Right. So like this is it, it was a it was a big change. It was it was shocking.
0: My memory, I'd say, is how much Steve hated being in the clubhouse for. I, oh, we, they, we <laughs> had
1: clubhouse access all year and we went in one time in spring training. That was it. <laughs> uh, it was like, well, too, I, I too knew big immediately for you? I, I knew immediately I'm like, ah, oh, we're now nah, we're, we're not supposed to be in here. This is just not supposed to be it. I, I think the, the, layout of media right now is so interesting because it's you got a little bit of everything and it feels like it's in this in-between space of where it's going to maybe be in five years and I know for a fact that there are certain people that probably don't love how I have come to be a person in this space and you know it's that's fine and I, I I've always just been fine with that but especially with getting this this podcast and doing this show for the team I think there is a disconnect not even a disconnect there's just the a a gap between what a writer does and what we do. And I respect it to the level of y'all need the, like the clubhouse space is your space. Like that's those quotes and all of that matter a lot for what you're writing, what you're doing. What Joey and I were doing is more laid back. That's more of a, Hey, if you got 15 minutes at any point this week, let us know. So I never really wanted to crisscross that. I know one thing with Joey that uh, still may, it, it brings a smile to my face. Cause it was just a, a pure moment. Um, we, we go to Fort Myers and, and it was Joe, you were probably a little nervous. You were probably a little nervous. At, I had an anxiety attack in the car. Is what happened. Yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. and I understood it though, because like, I, I mean, even me, that was the first, this was the first season I had a full season credential, you know, even doing this for a good amount of time. Last year I had, you know, a credential whenever I was there with Rob, And this season was the first time was a full credential. So I'm still getting used to some of the characters as well. And I remember the one thing they told us was to not take a picture of the credential or of you with the credential. (laughs) Like just don't just don't do that. Whatever you do, do not do that. And so the first thing Joey does when we get the jet flu <laughs> is flip the phone around and take this selfie with, the, with the credential. And I'm like, Joe, that was it says right there. Do not do that. Yeah, Big you know bold what?
0: letters right on the front of it. Yeah, he's like, I know, he's like I was, next up selfies and autographs <laughs> in the clubhouse.
1: I know. But I was like, I was about to say something. And I was like, you know what? No, no, don't ruin this moment. This was, I could tell it was, it was an important moment. And for Joey, I think he handled it great because I don't know how I would have handled that, how I would have handled not being a part of this sock space. And then, boom, you have a season long credential and you can go in the clubhouse and it's just like everything is available to you. You can you can talk to anybody. I don't know how I would have handled that at all. And I think, you know, Joey got that photo out of the way and I think he realized pretty soon, like, oh, I'm I can just be in this space. Like yeah. I, I, don't have to. It doesn't have to be this like you know rookie hazing or anything, right? And if, you know, <laughs> and
0: obviously a, a piece of like, you know, you earned it. You know, you're there because yeah. you you earned the spot.
1: No, of course, like you know, he won the casting call. There were three to four hundred people that that tried to get that, and and Joey got it. So it's like that, you know. Got in that space, but it was I, I, I still vividly remember it. But I just remember thinking, I was gonna say something. I'm like, no, l- let Joe have this moment. This moment matters. This, <laughs> this moment is important. I know you're not supposed to take a picture with it, but screw it. It like, just went a- to
2: my mom. It didn't
0: go. No, anywhere. I know
1: I know. I know. But here I am. And she thinking, sent it like, to oh, the, the Red to Twitter Sox Twitter and Instagram. said, revoke yeah.
0: this from my son. She yeah, posted it on
1: Facebook this. in a yeah, high quality <laughs> JPEG and was like, but, if anybody wants to copy this and print it. <laughs> it was a cool moment. That is what that is one thing, too, with the dentiladas as we call them. Um they, I remember taking me, you and Coop took a photo at, at All-Star and I immediately got a message from Major League Baseball after I shared it just on my IG story mm-hmm. of like, you're going to have to take that down. You're going to, that, that's going to, they don't like those pictures being out there. I mean, I, I get it because no. technology is at the point now where you could probably cop But for someone. I Hats off to someone if from like a little blurry angle, they could copy the that and then redo it's it. probably it how Brady's passable. jersey
0: gets stolen though.
1: Probably. I mean, those people that sneak in, I think they, the league's got bigger fish to fry than thinking they're going to copy the, the credential. They know how to get in there at this point. But um, yeah, that, that moment with joy, it was great. I, I just, I was like, yeah, technically we're not supposed to, but this matters. <laughs> and, and then from there on out, you know, we were, I think just kind of felt pretty comfortable. I'll speak for myself. I thought it was pretty comfy being on the field for the most part. I don't, I didn't feel any animosity from anyone.
0: you. Know, of uh, yeah. Right. Of course. The, the thing that we talked about, you know, downloads talked about fan engagement you know what it's been like in the last week and just even you know september the team being out of it feeling like people were listening to the show or engaged those types of things for me sometimes on on this side where we are detached we are you know covering it from the thirty thousand foot view i'm not a fan you know like i i don't root for you know the team to particularly win or lose. That's just not part of the job. Obviously you guys are are unabashed in that. And that is, you know, the roles that you guys have had. It's it's you know everybody's in the media, but it's different. We've talked about this a billion times. You know, something I've talked about with Jared a billion times. Um from a fan pulse in this city right now, are the Red Sox more irrelevant than they've been? Um I mean we do you think that they are the fourth team in town? I mean it just seems like that's something that's that's entered, you know, their kind of world that you know, I think the Red Sox are worried about that. And from, from my perspective, you know, when your whole Twitter feed is Red Sox news and people talking about the Red Sox, it's hard to see if they're relevant comparatively. Um, but, it, you know, taking a step back kind of from the fan view, what do you guys think? I mean, I think anytime the Sox aren't playing in late October comes around, obviously the focus
2: is going to be on the other three teams. Yeah, uh, Zappy but, Fever. But t- yeah, but particularly right now, I think so, because the other th- three, I mean, the Pats are always going to be the Pats. They don't have to really be contenders to steal the show. Yeah, but the fact that the unless the they two have Cam wait,
0: Newton, then they're irrelevant. They found a way. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a zappy guy. No, I am a zappy. I think he's fine. I'm just saying that they were actually irrelevant when Cam Newton was the quarterback. Oh, oh, yeah. It it is that, true. that
2: that kind of did it. Yeah. That was the only Beyond thing. Beyond
0: that, that what one year?
2: Beyond that, I mean, they they always just steal the show. So, but the two winter teams being actual like championship contenders is for sure gonna gonna take a lot of the attention. But I think there's actually like a negative air around the Sox now, which is not all too comp. Like the fact that they are on the verge of losing their two stars, their two faces is about as bad of a position as you can be. And that's going to put you in fourth, regardless of how the other teams are performing, you know?
1: Yeah. I I think could you alluded to it earlier that, you know, the timeline, I I say the Twitter timeline never lies. I, I think what you're seeing, even though it can be flooded with sock stuff, I'm more talking the engagement there's, I always have this barometer internally of like, how much should I tweet now? How much should I maybe be not joking now? Like it's just this constant, like back and forth of, what to put out there and what the fans are really feeling. And for the vast majority of this past season, the, I mean, it was all Devers and bogey talks. Yeah. It was all future. It wasn't about like big series coming up in Chicago. Like, no, no one really cared. So that part of it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. It's going to change everything. I mean, the deadline was a whole nother thing of, you know, not being fully committed either way. And that just led to more people being upset. So I think fans have, they have good reason to be upset. I think the the fun of 2021 faded off real quick. 10 and 19 really was the worst thing that could have happened because if they slow, if they were like 500 and with the new format still in playoff positions, like, ah, okay, they'll figure it out. Starting 10 and 19 really flipped it immediately, completely made 21 irrelevant, and it set the tone for the rest of the season. So, I think from that standpoint, Red Sox fans can be can jump out earlier because they have reason to because the team was terrible from the jump. And, you know, like Joey's alluding to, they can be more into even training camp for the path, not even just the regular season, just like, oh, they're back in pads. <laughs> you know, yeah. that 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 became a bigger story than the Red Sox playing games. So, um, yeah, I, I think with Red Sox and Celtics fans specifically, there's always kind of a, a gauge of like, okay, if they're really good, Sox fans are going to be all in. Like, you're going to have everybody, the fair weather people, everybody's going to be there. Celtics, it's very similar. Last year, I saw a lot of people at the Garden that, looked like they were going to their first game in their entire life because the, Mm -hmm. you know, team was buzzing towards the end, not in the first half of the season, but I think there's more of kind of a, you know, middle ground there. Patriots and Bruins that, that, I mean, sellouts for, for years. I I think those fan bases are about as diehard as it gets. Red Sox still a diehard fan base, but you know, now the pressure is on for them to put a product on the field that actually has those middle ground people coming back.
0: That's the, that's what I wanted to ask next. Like, behind bloom is extremely patient, right? That's his MO. That's what it's been through for the first yeah. three years of this. You know, he's not going to you know, jump to make the move. He's going to make the, you know, he knows that on paper, Hunter Renfro for Jackie Bradley and two prospects is going to look bad, but it helps how he thinks his roster should be constructed. Obviously the move didn't work out. You know, Bradley, you know, got released at the deadline. Renfro had another good year, 30 bombs, all that. But like, he kind of is, is stuck in his ways and like, all right, this is how I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it in a patient fashion the outside noise is not going to creep in. Do you think that's that no, David starts... Hamilton already? Yeah. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> Do you think, you know, like I, I kind of think that it starts to creep in now, like whether yeah. it's, it's against his nature, but it's probably not against John Henry's nature to be like, uh, Hey, we're kind of falling behind these other teams. Fans are pissed. Like, why don't you go make a splash and make it interesting? I think that's a wild card heading into, you know, what should be a super busy winter, you know, beyond just, Resign Bogart's endeavors. Like, that's what, to me, if there's any credence to the Aaron Judge thing, it's like, all right, let's make a splash because we got to get fans back invested. We got to, you know, kind of make it up to fans for five last place finishes in in the last 11 years, that type of stuff. And that, to me, it makes things pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I think it started to creep in for Haim. Uh, pretty early, and I, I hate to keep mentioning ten and nineteen, but like it really, we know, we all know that set the tone for the whole season.
0: Yeah, and, that and but was, you know they were like able to kind of like. I know June was great. No, and I know June, June was great. Two more times.
1: Yeah, they're like, you know, we're gonna be great in June, just to like ruin your life again in July <laughs> and August. Yeah. Um. No, I no t- no June obviously was was one of the best in team history. So that, but that was during the Celtics finals run. If we're gonna talk about how these things all you know interlock, right? All the attention was on the Celtics, you know, while the Red Sox were actually like winning eight games in a row. So, um, I think from that standpoint, and I, I've been able to talk to Haim more this year than ever. You know, in past years, it's like, oh well, we have him on section ten and maybe here and there. But he was actually, you know, super nice with all the the, the fact that we're doing the show. And he's like, you know, let me know if you need anything, yada, yada. And I feel like I actually got some really good access with Haim. And it seemed like his demeanor just like slow, like each week, it would just be more like, God, this is really not what I had imagined for this year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he constantly has to hear all the questions from the media. And at the end of the day, we're we're all people. If you're getting badgered with the same stuff over and over, eventually you're going to be like, we got to. Flip this because I'm sick of hearing this, and that's yeah. not the reason why you're going to. I and do. Sign I mean, Aaron I think judge. he hand,
0: like he he handles everything well. He never gets pissed. Never, you know, like he really understands kind of that part of the gig too. Yeah, He's got to I'm a little surprised.
1: Something. Yeah, he has to because like I'm always <laughs> ready for like a oh my god, you see him like kind of flipped out a little bit. Um, but I I say all that to say that that combined with you know fan urgency, uh, normally leads to front office urgency, and there's no scenario where you can't be. Uh, urgent with your moves this offseason you just you, you can't like there you, you've now gotten to the point where it's like okay you're bringing prospects in and you're doing this move and like this is what heim does okay but like when are when are you going to commit to some big some big dogs here like that you, you look around the postseason and joey and i talked about this but look at all the dudes at the top of these rotations it's a lot of dudes a lot yeah. of dudes and it's like socks don't just don't have those and the power throughout the lineups too it feels like whoever hits more home runs wins all of these games, and mm-hmm. the Red Sox obviously wouldn't have succeeded if that were the case. So, yeah, urgency is on him, and he's he's got to do it. You know, Sox fans are not ready for, oh, this guy's, you know, good one-year deal, a real steal here for for three mil with this lefty arm out of the pen. Now, you're going to have to get that some. That sounded
0: targeted at Matt Strom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you exact think there is actually. Terms, lefty. Uh, maybe
2: who knows do you think there's actually john henry urgency because i think that's the thing that's lacking that if i had to guess haim would probably love no i stop getting the bogey endeavors
0: comments i do and you know what the the thing and and sam kennedy was on here a couple weeks ago and not to just completely drink the kool-aid of what sam was saying but i do believe that the owners are very involved like i do believe that they're still involved as ever like just because they have other businesses. I I don't actually like that criticism from people. I think it's pretty dumb of like, oh, they own the Penguins. So, you know, now they can't re-sign Bogarts. Those things are completely separate. They are, you know, way too rich for that to be an issue, you know, for everybody. And and so, you know, Mm -hmm. I discount that. I do think that the Red Sox and, you know, I tweeted this and a lot of people were kind of on both sides of the fence the other day um, or two weeks ago. I tweeted that if, you know, to to get rid of that question, is John Henry, you know, showing your urgency? Is he invested? he should come out and talk to the media, you know, like it's been two and a half years. And so people ask like, well, we, you know, we don't care who you know talks to you or what quotes you get or whatever. It's like, well, as a fan of the organization, who's pissed at the organization, you should be wanting the guy who's actually in charge to come out and ease your concerns, say some certain things and and kind of come out of hiding. And I think that's the reason, like I think he owes it to the fans to be out there and, and not owes it to media. Um, so that question, I I think there is, but I think they've done a pretty good job of hiding it. My my question to you, Cotillo, because I saw your tweet about that.
1: Uh, where where do you stand as a reporter and someone that has a credential and that's covered the team for a little while now in terms of criticizing ownership or just where's the line for you, I guess? Because I'm always curious from a fan perspective, it's a little easier to be irrational. Uh, if you're yeah. covering the team, you got to be a little more, like you can't just be off the rails. So I saw that. And what you said was true. There was not, nothing wrong in it at all. But what's the thought process that goes through your brain of like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to send this, this needs to be sent.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, criticism is just part of the job. You know, like I, I think the, the goal for someone in my position has to be, you know, on one day you hear, Oh my God, you're such a Red Sox Homer, you know, you're way too easy on them. You don't hold them to, to the fire. And then the next day, Oh my God, you're way too hard on the Red Sox and you're you're <laughs> way too difficult. And, you know, you're way too critical. You know, like and there's points during the season where you can be both. You know, like like I said, the the there's some narratives that I think are really, really dumb. The one about them not spending money, the one about the ownership not being invested, um, the one about Haim not knowing what he's doing. Like I think those are all kind of bad narratives that are just made up and they're um whether they come from other members of the media whether they come from fans whatever then there are uh narratives that are real you know like they don't offer as much money to certain players to get them and so they sign elsewhere like that's legit they don't show urgency they don't make the big offer you know first they wait out the market that's legit um they are falling in relevancy you know that stuff's legit the stuff we were just talking about so Um, I think being around it, talking to people, doing reporting, you know, talking to people behind the scenes, you know, I think people think like all the information we get is on the record with the phones in the face and their quotes, but like, it's a lot of behind the scenes phone calls where you really get a pulse of what's going on that informs the criticism. You know, if I'm saying something, you know, people, great example the other day, and I'm going to write this, you know, the next couple of days, people were really like talk, you know, tweeting at me. Like I was nuts for saying, I think there's a chance Alex Verdugo could be traded. Like, no, they yeah. never do that. What are you talking about? I'm not pulling that out of thin air, you know, like yeah. there are, um, he's, he's at the same arbitration stage Renfro is at. Seems like there's people with the Red Sox who, you know, Alex Cora called them out at the end of the year. You know, yeah. they, they, he hasn't taken the jump that they wanted. Uh, maybe they look to, you know, package him as a young, you know, somewhat valuable player and a deal for someone else. But, you know, those types of things come from, you know, reporting, they come from, you know, conversations you have behind the scenes. I know, You know, that's kind of been a story in Boston media this week, right? Like I'm not, I'm not talking random DMS and stuff like that, but you know, when you talk to people, when you're around the team and stuff, you you get, um, you kind of really do know what's going on, obviously not the whole picture, but a lot of the picture. And that informs, you know, that criticism and, you know, it's not pleasant to, to, you know, talk badly about people you have to see every day and you're eventually going to ask for things, you know, like I can criticize John Henry and Tom Warner for being there, but if they. You know, wanted to do an interview. I'd you know walk to Arizona to talk to them. You know, because we that would be important for the. FBI. I would you know not make it. Um, that just seems like a bad idea. Like I don't think
1: you'd you'd get there because no. it's it's a ways away. to, to call an Uber. It's a long point. time. Yeah, yeah it's so. a long time from here to there, Chris. To walk there, that's Chris. The,
2: that's the thing that people don't realize is how far it is. No,
0: I think yeah. people do. I think people do. No, some Chris, geologists... we're saying walking
1: wise, like not flying, like walking
0: would be a bad idea. Yeah, but, I mean, worth it for the fire (laughs) quotes at the end of the day. Yeah, it's true. No, it
1: is true. It's it's definitely worth it. But, But
0: Chris, to to your point, dude, about
2: uh, the stock's lack of urgency and lack of huge deals, right? With Bogey being on the brink of free agency, it obviously is in their best interest to get a big offer out there now, keep him from the market. I personally don't see that happening. Do you? And then presuming that you think he does hit free agency what do you think the outcome of all this is yeah water gun to your head
0: i said this with you know with chris smith the other day on here like at this point they can really you know they can make a big offer they can make their godfather offer he's but do that i mean i don't even think that matters because he's three weeks away from being able to actually talk to other teams which he's never been able to do before in his whole career so like why not and i know boris is going to be pushing this like why not just get to that point? The Red Sox offer six for 200, maybe, you know, and they're, they're not, but you know, like, let's say maybe no team beats that, but you don't know, unless you go and, and go find out if, you know, Seattle or San Francisco or the Dodgers or whoever. So that's the reason why I don't think something's going to get done in the next couple of weeks. I think the Red Sox actually, you know, are going to try. I just don't think that, um, the, at this point you're, you're going to wait till five days after the world series. You can go see what's out there. Why not do it? I think a
1: big part of this, too, is what Bogey just had to go through for an entire year and and what he had to all the questions and the constant pressure of like, oh, is this it? You know, is this your last year here? What's it going to be like moving forward? Yada, yada. And what's the point of all that and going through it and not having a deal done if you don't see what the other offers are once you finish the season? And I know Joey and I talked about it. It's funny when you you try to pitch a point that you don't believe in. <laughs> like yeah. I was basically telling him like. They should just try to lock this down now, just like get them now and and have them. And lie, it's going to be great, you know, holding the tears in. Um, but it's like to him, it would make zero sense to not see what's out there. It, it would actually be dumb uh, business wise to not see without what's out there, because even if the Red Sox give a huge offer. Then you're probably thinking, oh, if this team who hasn't been giving out huge offers is willing to give this out, then what would the Giants give out? What would these other teams give out? Mm -hmm. If anything, that would be even more reason for him uh, to see free agency. So it sucks because obviously the Sox fans, we want we don't want that to happen. We don't want it to get to that point. But at this point, it's inevitable.
2: If you believe what Bogey has said, that he wants to stay here. Which I do. I don't necessarily know if the largest contract is going to be the way that he goes. I think the question might be what does the difference in money have to look like, or the difference in years have to look like, you know, if it's one year less, uh, 2 million AAV different, does that keep him here or does that little hometown
0: tit for tat offend him enough to what's yeah, that get, I think he, he the yeah. discount? He did the hometown discount three years ago. I, I don't, don't know if he wants to do that again.
1: I don't he know about it. Just a, opt a, in dude. He just opt in. Yeah, I think that, <laughs> That I love that.
0: that. That's the best. That's a good like fan Twitter thing. Like, you know, if he really <laughs> wants to be here, he should just opt in. Yeah. So that is literally taking probably 15, $16 million a year away from him. Would <laughs> yeah. you Would just you do that? Do it, dude. Would you do that? Just do it, bro. I don't or the other one. The, other one. the other one that. That, that I've heard is is 20 million a year. Not enough. He really needs 35. <laughs> you need yes. it. You need yes, it. he does.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I don't know, man, if it comes down to, let's say the Sox give him 28 over six and he gets 28, seven somewhere else. Does he immediately take it because of that one year? Is that enough?
0: I think most guys do. I wouldn't put him in the most guys category because I think that there is obviously that relationship and stuff. Scott Boris is sure as hell going to push him to take that seventh year. So we'll see there's a, there's a lot that, to... that,
1: that's the that's probably the scariest part about this i yeah. i just want rumors i maybe create some stuff chris i don't know yeah like it, what... there was that's what gets you to. Climb yeah, right. he sent me a dm yesterday actually yeah and i think <laughs> uh, it's yeah, that's him because it's like a picture yeah. of him playing and like that
2: hey, confirms. don't it. believe the hashtag reporters it's all hashtag fake right yeah well, that's,
0: that's, that's haters pulling things out of thin air and just tweeting it that's you know That's that's the best. Like I said, that's dominated dominated headlines this week. But I'll end with this real
1: quick, though, with bogey, because I think it was fun to have that little gap with the sign off press conferences where we were getting news that like actually mattered. And it's like, oh, we're talking to bogey. And, you know, there's. Uh, frequent contract talks, not even just once, <laughs> like ownership met with him multiple times. I'm like, Oh, this deal's gonna happen tomorrow. This is and great. now mold us it.
2: over for a couple of weeks,
1: yeah. And now just sit in this for a month, like that's basically what it's been. So I just want to get back to the, the rumor zone.
0: We're getting there. I'll, I'll ask, yeah. I will end with this unless Stephen throws me again. Um, yeah, if you if you there's are there's no Sox, way
1: that you can get to Arizona walking,
0: that's <laughs> a, a good point. I can't even get down the street walking. Um, yeah. In the in the eyes of you guys, like what is the what is the thing that the Red Sox can do? Instant relevance, right? Like is it as much as all right, sign Bogart, sign Devers? That's a sign of faith for fans. Like, okay, you know, we locked up these two guys, we didn't do it with Mookie. You know, we let him go, we've let some of your favorites go. You know, people like to equate like Mookie, Don Orsillo, and Brock Holt as like the big three of guys they've let go. I'm just gonna talk about Mookie in that sense because he's actually a superstar and not a utility man or a play by play broadcaster, hey, though hey. Don was great. Voice of my childhood, all that stuff. Um, what would you do if you're the Red Sox? Like how big does this move series of moves have to be to if you think they need to win back fans, then to win back fans. It's more of endeavors like- and
1: yeah, yeah, it's more. It's more than the the big guys. I, I think that the way you phrased it was right. Of how would we immediately get pumped? What would be the thing that instantly is like, oh, okay, I'm back in. And sadly, it can't be one move. It has to be multiple moves. Yeah. It, bogey would need to be a part of that. So uh, not top
0: of the not Judge,
1: but not Bogart's endeavors. No. Oh, you're saying just Judge? Like, would that get me excited? Yeah. Yes, I think Judge excited. might be the only guy that would be like oh, damn, like we're actually going for it. This is like real yeah. deal in terms of one player. But yeah, I, I, the bogey knew, obviously you would need bogey back. Uh, you need a top of the rotation guy, a dude up there that they don't have. And you need bullpen help. And if that, if all those deals, which they're obviously going to announce in the same time, if they can do that at the same time, January same 14th. day, Yeah, if they can it's announce okay. them all at once, then I'll be like, okay, they, they're going to be great. But it sucks because one, and, and, and you know, last, last thought here is that, we always nitpick and and look at these postseason teams and say, oh, okay, well, that's obviously what you need, you know, going forward. But every postseason is different, you know. It's not they're not all the same, and it's not like this thing's always going to win and that thing's always going to lose. But the one thing that consistently uh, has stuck out that the Red Sox obviously don't have is pitching, and you know the. I'm trying to picture some of these Red Sox guys in these situations that have come up in this postseason, and I've laughed. It's it's genuinely right. been like, there's just no way, you know, get get Bizarro out there with the bases loaded in Houston. But he's a free um, agent. Watch your mouth. Yeah, no, I know he's not here anymore. But still, it's I think they need a lot of guys that, uh, you know, immediately fix problems. And it sucks that you can't just say one or two moves is going to make us pumped because it's just not the case.
0: Joey.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. It's fortifying the entire pitching staff. It's not even just your bullpen or your rotation. It's both of them. Um, So I think to a casual fan, a big free agent splash like Judge would obviously pull in a lot of people who have been maybe out of the Sox loop. Uh, But your core fan base, if you want to get them on board, you got to actually look like you're going to compete. And that means... Two starting arms, probably two more in the bullpen, mm-hmm. and uh, one strong bat. So, instant relevance, big name. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, what what am I gonna say? If you sign 40 new guys, people
0: yeah. would be really sick. You get a, a
2: whole new, roster, new lineup like and it.
1: pitching stuff will walk
0: to Arizona to sign the deal.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll walk there too. I'll walk with you, but no, there's just a lot of moves they gotta make. So, I, yeah. I think. That's why this, this month sucks, you know, like, and, and all we really have is the root against the Yankees as fans. That's, that's all we got. Um, and then you just want to get back to the the rumor zone. But again, if the rumor zone is they're interested in everybody and they sign no one again, like they've done recently, that's just going to piss people off and get back to what we talked about earlier of it's not going to fly in terms of trying to bring people back and get the excitement back to the park. It's not going to fly. If you're showing a bunch of interest and letting other teams outbid you, you got to be a team that's outbidding other teams this off season. And hopefully it starts soon.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Until then, the most important free agents on the market now, Steve Peralt and Joe Capone. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> hopefully they're going to transition. Very well oh, done. Op- yeah. Well, That's professional. Yeah. You know, this is it's not amateur hour over here, but I appreciate yeah. you guys coming on. Um, and uh, I know you both land on your feet soon. I think Coop's t- uh, Cooper said it on Twitter the other day. The cream does rise to the top, but I know that'll be the case here
1: yeah that's that's what we hope for but no thanks for having us on the fenway rundown report review and uh yeah hopefully we can do it again soon chris